Welcome today to Untangled. Today in the hot seat is Miss Jill Hessian, founder, director of Kitty Winkles in Middles. That makes me sound way too important, Jose. <laughs> of course it's not. Today I have the opportunity, which excites me greatly, to actually ask her questions, who she is and why she's doing what she does. So I'd like to start because I know you have founded Kitty Winkles in the Mid-Ulster area. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, you're a strong, successful lady. Thank you very much. <laughs> so could you let me know? Uh, well, the, the story goes, you have to go back to, I was 24. And I was um, two months pregnant with my eldest daughter and only married a year and there was um, a local daycare nursery that I had actually done part of my training in and it closed. And um, I had an opportunity to apply for the lease, which was which was strange because when I did my training in the daycare nursery, I spent two weeks um, doing my baby unit and I came home and I cried every day. And I thought, why? Would anybody put their precious little babies in there? Um, And I felt very helpless as a trainee because there was practice that I didn't think was ideal. It wasn't it wasn't practice that was horrific, but it was like um, talking about what you watched on TV the night before when you were feeding the babies and the baby I could as the third person, I could see the babies trying to make eye contact and the staff members being oblivious to this and you know trying to put food in the mouth when the when they were still crying and there just seemed to be this oblivious to what the child's needs were and that really impacted me emotionally so but, but they were doing everything that the child care centre wanted them to do feed them and yes but so but they were something about the interaction the didn't sit right with me it felt too um, too removed from an emotional connection and it, I find it very upsetting being in that there uh, and doing that training so when the centre came up um, I was like what am I what am I doing I don't actually like daycare and then I thought what you know what this is my opportunity to do it right um, because as a trainee I didn't have a voice to say why don't you try this or what about this or can you can we evaluate this and see how we could improve the outcomes for the children here and I, you know what I didn't have the language either as a as a trainee um Nor so did then you have at, the power yeah so then at 24 I thought I could I could do this I could make it right so um the lady who owned the building, she was um, called Winnie Donaldson. She still owns the building. I still rent it from her. And um, I will forever be so grateful. She had a queue around the block of people that wanted to rent that building because people had this um, illusion <laughs> that daycare is a license to print money. <laughs> so not. But um, she really, she had a long list of people that wanted to, to take the lease from her and I remember I had to borrow a pair of linen trousers so that I could look more grown up to go and meet her. And 
um, I'm so grateful that she actually gave this 24 year old who had no business experience um, the opportunity to take that lease from her. But she for was, whatever she saw, um, yeah, yeah, I will always be grateful for her. Yeah. But she must have seen who you were inside by seeing your vision. Did you have a vision at that stage? It did, and that was to to do it right and to not look at what the industry standards were in as far as um, I wasn't interested in what anybody else was doing. I wanted to do it my way, and that has always been prioritizing emotional connections and relationships because I think that is the foundation where everything else grows freely if it's if you're if you feel emotionally safe and secure in your relationships you have permission to make mistakes and try new things and that's important for me to to connect with the children in that way so this is your first place that was my first one and and the first year was was really full on like we we had no money and Jenny came along and I had no time off for maternity and um we because you have to have your staff in place before the children come so it was a big outlay of money and like we opened there with seven thousand so you can imagine how tight everything was great learning for me on how to on how to be tight with your budgets but um it was it was a full-on year night it really was and I breastfed Jenny so a lot of our meetings was was Jenny on me and I was interviewing staff or you know doing all of those things um and it felt felt really overwhelming I would say in the first year because there were so many lessons like the first time someone handed in their notice I cried like a baby because I thought I took it personally. I thought that I had let them down and that's why they were leaving. It wasn't it. They were leaving for their own personal development reasons. It was a better job. It was in a government post. It was all the things that they wanted from a job. But I that was learning for me that I don't need to take those things personally. So the first year was there was a lot of that, but I loved it at the same time. I loved that adrenaline buzz I loved not knowing what I was going to learn that day even if it was something that was going to be horrifically emotional um like the first parental complaint just knocked me off my feet because I was like I'm trying so hard and why do you not see that I'm trying so hard but from my point of view you were 24 years old you were a trainee one minute and then you are a business owner the next Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. had all this staff who relied on you to show them the way, to lead yeah. them. Mm-hmm. You must have trained a lot of people, especially with into your way of thinking, your vision, because you didn't want what was out there. Yeah. You had to create the Jill yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. How was that like? Well, that's that was interesting because there'll be people that don't get that and go, well, this is how we used to do it or this is how such and such do it or that's not how you do it, you know. Um, and you have to be you have to be very strong willed and you have to go, that's really interesting, but here's how I'm doing it. And you have to really stick to your guns. You have to have that unwavering belief in why you're doing it your way so that you don't get pulled into that self-doubt from the people who aren't on the same wavelength. Um, so again, great lessons for that on how to just stick with that end goal and and 
support them through the change, but be willing to let it go if they don't get it. Okay, so at the start, I would have felt that it was my responsibility to to make sure they came with me on my journey. And now I put my journey out there and I'm I'm willing to take people with me that get it. But if it's not for you, it's not for you. And I let that go without any um, judgment on my part or theirs. Uh, it's it's a more of a free flow now. I've, we've liberated this. Um, it's my way or no way. That's that's gone. It's here's how I do it. And I'm really excited to work with you if you also want to do it that way. But if you don't, that's perfectly OK. And um, let me help you find something else that's more in line with your values and your views. So from uh, my from my point of view, um, I, I find that your way must be successful because you have it's it's been spread out over four different centers so far. Mm-hmm. And it's been successful. Therefore, when you see someone who is successful at what they're doing, obviously you try and emulate it because it's the right way. Yeah. But how do you find that over over the years, different centers, different areas, that the whole culture changes? Yeah. Well, it was a it was a big change for me to go from one centre to two because I'm a control freak and everything in the first in the in my first centre I was there all the time and what I had done was I had created I had created a job for myself instead of creating a business that worked for me. So moving from one centre to two centres, there was a shift in what my role was and um, having to work out. How I reconciled not being everywhere at once so that I could problem solve and fix everything. Because obviously that was tied into my ego as as in, oh, if you have a problem, I'll fix it and then I'll be wonderful. And um, I had to shift that change and recognize whenever I was acting from a point of ego and stop and spend more time empowering everyone else to, to fix problems themselves. So that was a big thing when we moved. And also I had a fear around um, quality of service. So I really didn't want to dilute the quality um, by having more than one. Uh, So we had, yeah, I had to do a lot of work around that to make sure that I could sleep at night, knowing that just because I have two doesn't mean it's any less amazing than it was with one. That's on the side of the actual employees that you have working for you. In terms of children, I know you started this off when you were 24, when the birth of your own child. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about what what would possess anyone to look after children. And I don't know, you once told me how many children you have looked after over time in the childcare area and you just blew my mind. Could you come back and tell me more about what made you want to do this? Why are you so passionate about children and the number of kids? Well, here's the thing. We come from a big family. So I grew up with nieces and nephews just in our house all the time. You were just dripping with kids. You always had one on your hip or one at your feet. But that isn't... That isn't the first passion that I think brought me to the daycare. Because when I was little, my go-to imaginary game was um, play 
school, play hotel, play restaurant. And we lived on a farm. So I had spent my evenings with a piece of paper and a pencil. And I made, you know, in the hay shed, going around all the hay bales. And I was the hotel manager. And I was asking everyone if they were okay with their meal. And is your room nice? And I was directing imaginary staff. So I, I think it was ingrained in me to be bossy. <laughs> we would say now leadership skills, but really bossy is the correct term, I think. Um, and I always knew that, that I was going to be better suited to being self-employed. So I think that was what drew me, first of all, to the daycare. I originally trained to work with children because that was just something I knew and I was comfortable with. Um, and then once I got into that role and I started studying and researching to find out what approach really connected with me, that is when the passion came for creating the best outcomes that I can for families, supporting and nourishing parents so that the children have have the best experience and to make a difference. Like I definitely, I feel that I have an impact on future generations coming through in how we care for the children and how respected they are. We're having, we're playing a part in what they think of themselves and how they interact with other people and how they are in this world. And that's, I think that's amazing. That blows my mind that we have the privilege of connecting with these future adults at this stage where you can influence that. And it's for me, it's what what angers me is when I see children being used as a commodity. So whatever annoys you is where your passion is. So if it annoys you at work that people aren't neat, your passion is neatness. right? So it, it, it annoys me when when children are a second thought or, um, you know, something that's like a like a commodity, like just an extra thing. And I, I really think that they should be more at the center of communities and conversations and that they should be brought into these conversations. We should uh, we should respect that they are capable of communicating their wants, desires and needs and ideas and then acting on that and not in a tokenism way as in, oh, do you know what? We planned this park and we got some children to draw a picture. No, I mean, the children were part of the design they were here visiting the the people who came to tender. They interviewed the people who are going to cut the grass. Um, you know, that's the level of involvement that I want for children, that they are consulted in the same, if not more, detail than adults because it's the children that are coming up through. Um and they ha- they have they have pure ideas. Adults' ideas are tainted by hidden agendas they we mightn't even know as adults what our agendas are but um when we give an opinion it could be because we want to impress this person or we want to say the right thing or but children it is just pure creativity and connection with their thoughts because they don't filter it to how you think it should be and um i really love that non-filter element i just um and the energy that you get from working with children and how hilarious they are and how uplifting they are and how clever they are when you give them the opportunity 
to use that in in a non-traditional form. So I don't mean, um, oh, they can repeat the knowledge that has been exchanged with them. I mean clever in the way that they can take their own ideas and problem solve and be creative and represent that in the world. That just, that's the reason I get up. That's what I love. You once mentioned that you have looked after thousands of children in your time. Yeah. And that blew my mind because as a mother, I find it hard looking after my own. Never mind multiplying that. But I always look at your, um, when I look at your website, I see your mission statement is to provide for all the quality of service we expect for ourselves and our families. That mission statement to me is massive. First of all, you're providing for all. And that means not just the kids that you're talking about, but also educating the parents and how to get the best out of their mm. kids. Mm. Wow. And they also talk about the quality of service we expect as though it's you meet people's expectations. Now, I know from a kid's, you would meet a kid's expectations because you and yourself, you are authentic and you are creative. And therefore, to bring that out in your child, you would obviously do that mm -hmm. because that's who you are. But you also are there to educate the parents. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us how you've seen that happen in the past and how that is today and how you see that in the future? Yeah, well, that that um, sentence about us delivering for all what we expect, the kind of service we would expect for our own. Uh, I actually saw that on a, a wall in the social services department and I and I loved it because it it encapsulates everything that I felt when I was a trainee in daycare and I thought if that was your niece or if that was your cousin's child there's no way that you would be feeding that baby the way you're feeding that baby because if that child was related to you you would be looking at them and connecting them and 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 all the children deserve that, whether you're related to them or not. So that, to me, that sentence just wraps up in a bubble why I wanted to even start in daycare. Um, and I think with with parents, I don't see it as I'm educating them. I, I feel that it's more that I'm offering other options because I'm not about... I'm not about making anybody feel wrong. I don't want to do that. I don't want to create any extra pressure for parents. I don't want to create any feelings of, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? That's not my job. That's not what I'm about. But I I want to do it this way. And I want to create an environment where you feel comfortable asking me about that. And I can share my why. But I'm not saying this is what you should do or this is what I think it needs to change in your parenting style or your relationship with children. Um, and that feels comfortable for me that I'm a, that I'm creating opportunities for discussions rather than educating because educating makes me feel that like that would put me in a position of, well, I must know more than you. And I, I honestly don't. I don't know more than anybody else it's just um that I'm excited to share what research I have studied and come across but that doesn't mean that I'm superior in any way and I, I would I definitely don't want it to come across like I'm 
that I think that or that I'm this big head that that goes, oh, I'm I'm the guru when it comes to um, child development or parenting styles. That's not it at all. No, because you've had so much experience, I think it would be very natural for a parent if they have a problem to come and ask your advice. Oh, and they do. Yeah. And, and we do. And we share that and we share um, ways of, of supporting children who maybe have um, problems sleeping or maybe not eating very well or they've maybe had an emotional trauma in the family, maybe a grief. Um, and we do a lot of support work around that. But I I hope it does feel like support rather than advice. You know, there's those sayings about advice and how, you know, the person that gives it is the, is the person that doesn't know what they're talking about. So um, hopefully it feels more like a support relationship because you've got so much experience and have so many with so many children it would be very natural because you have done this seen it bought oh, the yeah. t-shirt and we can bring that back yeah for you to be that person but do you also find that parents parents like to be advised uh or are interested some it depends what it, it depends what their personal um script is uh so some parents feel that it's really reassuring to be able to get that feedback and and to be able to reach out when they need to and other parents maybe if they already feel that they're not doing a great job that can be too much for them because um it can feel too overwhelming and so we 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 definitely don't want to I don't want to be a point of pressure or stress for parents because that impacts children. So whatever, whether whether I need to step back or whether I need to step in, whichever it is that helps, then that's what I'm happy to do. So you'll find that some parents are just in a, in a different stage in their journey and whatever we need to do to respond to that, then that's what we do. Um, but I think... I, I love to have a deeper connection with parents and it's finding ways of doing that. And actually, technology is helping us a great deal with that because we've got this new app that means that the parents can um, text and communicate directly with the staff in the room. Whereas than before they had to go through the office with a phone call or um, Facebook page, which was usually me. And then I would have to go and ask someone and then come back um, and these messages now that are coming between um, home and the centre, they're just so warm and so they're so lovely. And they're conversations that hold the children right at the centre. So it's conversations around, um, oh, we were outside today. Look how happy he is. And, and then and then the family will comment back. Oh, we were we did that at the weekend and he loved it. That's that's so wonderful that he got another chance to bug hunt or or it could be, oh, we're we're um going to paint a picture for granny this weekend that's really that's really nice we can use that one or it's these conversations that are just because they hold the child right in the middle i just find them so beautiful um and they're impacting the quality of service that the children have because we the more that we know the family and the more that we know the child the better the experience is for the child because we connect at that deeper level and it's that connection comes back to those relationships if that connection is deep and built on a genuine care 
um, the child is just free to soak up all the learning because it's the, the brain's primary function is survival. So if you don't feel safe, your brain switches off the receptors to, in order to be ready to go into a fight or flight. But when you feel really safe and secure, the brain's like, okay, open up all the channels, get this learning in here. And, and all these sensory experiences, they are building up the synapses, connecting all these and neuron pathways and this is all buzzing and popping um and that's because they feel i'm safe here these people know me and mommy and daddy know these people and and they like them so that's a good sign and they just and they settle in and it's 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 beautiful i love it yes so i'm 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 more around the relationship rather than the I'm I'm the educator. Does that make sense? Yes. I see the way you are reinforcing the positives in their lives mm-hmm. and reinforcing the whole idea that they're, they can open up and absorb like sponges. Yeah. All the information. And we want to remove that. any barriers to yes. just let them be open to whatever their full potential is. That's what we're about. You talk about full potential because you're there to see what their potential is and help create that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you are willing to work with the parents and to involve them as much as possible because they have to go to work Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. cannot do this and you're doing it on their behalf and you are not giving them any guilt for not being there. You were there supporting them and saying, "Okay, we know you have to be away, but we will try and give you as much contact Mm -hmm. and control over your child as possible. Yeah. So is that the difference between you now than when you were as a, a trainee? Do you feel that's different? Yeah, I think I think so, because um, that wasn't really something that that was talked about back at the start. Parental involvement was when that was talked about in our sector, it was referred to as how do you make parents do stuff? You know, um, and that didn't that didn't feel right. Um and as a mum, like I know now whenever, sometimes with, and I love the kids' school, but sometimes you get this letter home and it's, and they go to different schools and it's, they have to have different things in all the time. And it's, and sometimes it feels like too much of a request on my time with the children or on my finances or on my emotional energy. And I didn't want to be that. I wanted to find a way that we connect, but without it being a pressure. Um, so now there is a definite shift away from parental involvement to um, parental relationships. And that has definitely fed in from Europe uh, and the Reggio approach. So the Reggio approach in uh, Italy is built around, it's built around the children, but it's the relationship with the parents and the child and the community. So it's another level out. You take what I'm doing, but then spread it out another level that the community are are supporting the children as well as the parents and the child. And um, they're very visible in the community. And you can see when a family walks into a restaurant, the restaurant owner will greet the child first and then their parents. They're not seen as a... Um, a side thought or you know they're 
when a new building goes up in the in the town, the children are invited to see it and view it at all different stages, as well as the local adults. They're not. Yeah, it's just it's really, really nice to see it. And they're just built into all of these conversations. So I can see a shift in that now where it's not about the conversations aren't about what can we get the parents to do. It's about how we can strengthen the relationships and that that's lovely and that is a real shift and a shift for the better I think um, because parents have enough pressure and enough stress and it's about again it's about removing these barriers so that they can get the most out of this short time that the children have where the adults are the the sun moon and stars because as the children get older they look more to peers for that type of support and all of a sudden it's gone in a blink you know yourself all your kids are now up and and you know and it's 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 a different type of relationship where you're not um you're not the main person in their life anymore yes it worries me a little bit i like my children were young i always had the impression that children should be seen and not heard which is totally opposite to what you're just saying <laughs> yeah. so i would be in that category of you shouldn't do it that way so you have moved away from that mm-hmm. now you you see children as individuals very much so mm-hmm. and you see you you look towards europe for your benchmark mm-hmm. of your standard and i think now who is jill present we've heard about the present Jill is looking at Europe for her inspiration where else are you going to go for your future then Jill oh well we're big into sharing goals at work so um we do these uh we do these meetings where I have this list of what we're going to do and the girls usually shake their head Jill not a hope um it's it's too much but we we usually meet those goals and we usually do get them um so at the minute what we're working on is uh, a book to share the this respect ethos that we have put together over the last 15 years um so that people can read about it and maybe use it as a, a tool to support their own parenting or their own early years provision um so that's a big that's a big goal um, we're doing these podcasts to try and get um, just to try and get conversations about things that we don't usually talk about. Um, we are looking to Spain as a, as a partnership for a few um, earlier providers out there. So we have one that we're working with uh, around outdoor spaces. We have a college in Madrid that I've done some work for and they send over um, Erasmus students to just get that cultural exchange. And then we have a friend of mine who owns uh, a nursery in Spain. She's bilingual. They do their whole sessions in English and all of her staff speak English. And we are doing a, a staff exchange. So two of my staff are going to go over there and work for two weeks and she's going to send one of hers over to us. And we're going to have like almost like a like a twin, but in Spain that we can connect with uh, just to open these experiences up for the children that they have access to these different cultures and different ways of doing things. And um, and to to see that as a warm exchange and not something that you have to be nervous about. Um, so I, I do see us 
our brand moving into Europe. Up until now, I have traveled and studied, but as as someone who's absorbing information, and now I feel that we're in a position where I can do all of that, but share what we're doing, because it is remarkable when you see it and you see the connection that the children have and um, the work that the staff do. It's just it's really, really, really high quality. And I want to I want to share that and I want to I want to look at what impact that has in the community that we are in, because thinking of the fact that we are a post conflict community and then looking at what impact respectful caregiving has on that, because I personally think that um, if we had more respect in this country for other people's opinions and cultures and backgrounds, it would be a lot easier. And I think bringing the children up in that environment where they are respected from such an early age, from, from when they're a baby and we respect them enough to ask their permission to change a nappy, that that's bound to have an impact on how they interact with the world. And that can only be a good thing given Northern Ireland's history. I love the way you always talk about the children being our future. Hmm. And as part of the community, I'm no longer a mother of young children, and but I am part of the community. I love the way that you integrate, you're trying to integrate the community into the, the growing of our future for everyone. So the whole ethos you have, which because you are so authentic and you are very creative and you're very strong and you're very opinionated and you work very hard and you're trying to forge forward the whole, the whole community relationship. It feels that I would, I personally, I would love to support that idea and I'm sure a lot of the community would be behind you if they knew how mm, how yeah. can how can we as a community I know as a mother of a child yes you are in there and you're in there interacting with the child and you're able to help that child but the grannies and the aunties and the neighbors and the cousins they all can be part of that oh yes definitely and it's 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 just for me I think it's the first step is slowing down so that the ideas have time to come in because we're always in such a rush. Um, and I think the first step, well, that was for me anyway, was was slowing down so that I could create space for that respect to come in because children do not operate in the same time dimension as us. They just don't. And we, if we are always so time adult led, and we're going to schedules and we're this and this and this. And we need time for this. And we need to do that. And we need to do the next thing. Um, we don't schedule in these slower conversations and moments where ideas come to us. So if we move at this children's time, it, it becomes easier for us to do that. And what I mean by that is, as an example, this summer we did a community project. We did it with um, Spring Hill, which is a National Trust property in Money Moor. Um, and we wanted to support that property. We wanted to get them a few new members. And I wanted the children to feel that they had participated in looking after that building and um to feel a sense of connection and ownership with something that was in their community. 
So we planned a program where the children went out several times in the summer, experienced being there, fell in love with it. Then came up with the idea that we would um, gift Spring Hill uh, an element to their play park. So the children designed a mud kitchen because we used them a lot at work and they drew out all the ideas that they had and our very talented helper Ben put it all together and added the finishing touches that the children had designed and we had this unveiling on a Friday evening where the parents came and the kids were there and we played with it it lashed with rain but nobody minded because it was really good fun and um parents visited the next weekend they took granny the weekend after that and all of a sudden people who had never been through the gates of Spring Hill were enjoying this community and they had a connection the conversations then that were happening between the volunteers and the staff were lovely because then people were saying oh my grandson was involved with the mud kitchen and that's why I'm here today and and there were conversations that wouldn't happen if you just had convinced them to visit because the children bring it children bring it together they're the glue that that lubricates all of these conversations and these connections and um they're so excited and they're bringing little additional bowls every time they visit and they're adding to it and and they're so proud of the fact that they got to do that and it was so led by them and um that's how I want to connect with the community. It's not even that I need that I need the community to, to do anything. Just be open that when it comes along to create the time to slow down to the child's pace and let it in. Does that make sense? Yes. I am so excited because <laughs> as a member of the community of this earth, the fact that you are here and you are trying to help our kids to be more socially aware of their surroundings and where they live means that our future is safe because you are providing education for the next generation. And what we missed out on, because we never had you, because you are much too young, we missed out on you. And therefore, we didn't get that chance. So as a parent, I never knew. And it's OK, because you're there doing it now. And now's the, the present time. You're doing it for our kids. You're doing it for our community. Thank you, Jill. You are so wonderful. <laughs> I'm not real. And not really that. I mean, don't put me on, on a pedestal, but um, I do love what I do. I really do love what I do. And that shows. Um, uh, and I, I'm blessed because I don't feel that I work. I don't feel that I have a job. I just I just love working with the team. and I love working with the kids and I love knowing that I um you're making a difference yeah and I do feel that I do feel that we that we make a difference so um and I'm ex and I'm excited to share that with the rest of the world now and go look look at what we do in Northern Ireland look at how um relationships can blossom in this type of non-judgmental environment where we're supporting each other and isn't that wonderful and amazing and um yeah, I want to get I want to get that out there that it's not about what you can get out of the parents. Sometimes it's about what you can give to the parents, actually. 
sometimes people say that you can learn so much from a kid because a kid doesn't have any of the hang ups. Yeah. Or yeah. the problems that we have yeah. and the, the innocence and they have the authenticity mm. to go in and just do it. Yeah. So thank you, Jill, for, for highlighting in our society the good points and just expanding on them. Thank you, Josephine. I've loved your takeover day. <laughs> it's been awesome. nerve wracking. It's been nerve wracking. <laughs> but Jill, you'll be sitting here again in the future, I hope. <laughs> Thank you. And Untangle will be back again for the next podcast. Uh, keep an eye on the website and you will see. And it'll tell you just when, where and what's it happening. Well, indeed. Thank you, Josephine.